hated every last one of those hockey games last night. Did you ever have one of those? Especially in the first round. You know when you're sitting there watching game after game after game? I hated every result. Almost every result. It was kind of cool seeing the Kraken pull it out over the Avs in overtime. The rest of it was just... Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into... Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. No, I'm not going to rant on about the playoffs. Just the first thing that comes to mind from the hockey perspective this morning. And seeing Jared McCann get hurt on a cheap shot, late shot by Kale McCarr. And it should have been the major that was originally called... They now have this ridiculous thing where they send these majors back to Toronto, and Toronto almost every time, it seems like, turns it into a minor. They turned this one into a minor, and I saw even people from Denver were blasting this decision, you know, because it was just so egregious. And anyway, sometimes that happens, man. You know, sometimes you just, you don't get what you want when you're watching sports, and This was one of those nights for me. What the Penguins want right now, their entire focus is finding a new general manager. And as promised yesterday, I'm going to turn today's episode into kind of a part two of that discussion, which began with what type of GM the Penguins should be bringing in. And I went through the whole nerd process yesterday. I say that lovingly. Please don't get mad if you're an analytics geek. Oh, wait. I said geek. Okay. Nerd or geek. You have to just develop tougher skin. All right. Because that's kind of what that is. And I went through the mostly pluses that are related to having that type of GM in the modern environment, especially as it would have pertained to the Ron Hextall tenure where mistake after mistake after mistake, chiefly that McCann guy, could have and likely would have been avoided. But then there's also the old school. There's also the same circuit of guys, the very, very familiar list of names that kind of seems to cycle its way through all 32 franchises eventually. It's the GM who looks the part, who was the former player, who conducts himself and carries himself, including on the NHL draft floor where they're all on display simultaneously like in no other sport. It's actually kind of a neat scene. And you think, yeah, that's my GM. Look at my GM. Look at the way he's carrying himself. And, you know, if you're the Red Wings and you see Steve Eiserman out there and it's awesome, and then if you're... If you're the Avs and you see Joe Sackick, I mean, you get it, right? It's, it's, it's just, there's a good look to it. And Ron Hextall, for all his many flaws, had a good look about him as a GM. You looked out there and you said, yeah, man, that guy was once the baddest dude of a goaltender who ever lived. And look, he, he was even a flyer and we're okay with that, you know, because he's he's our guy. He couldn't generally manage anything. Whereas the kid sitting at the table with the laptop was probably going to be a better candidate to do it. Meaning any of the kids at any laptop at any of the 32 tables. But at the same time, 
you, the person who pressed play on this episode today, just had a GM here in Pittsburgh who was as old school as old school gets. And he allowed you to celebrate not once, but twice down the Boulevard of the Allies in downtown Pittsburgh with the highest possible reward a team can get. And it's not like Jim Rutherford was just along for the ride. This was as active and aggressive an executive as this franchise had ever seen, sometimes to a fault, sometimes not. And he got it done. He got it done in 2016 just by adding Justin Schultz at the deadline. Remember? Not all that much. He got it done in 2017 by doing a whole lot more work than that. And previously, of course, really to begin his tenure as GM. This also happened on a draft floor, trading James Neal, a 40-goal scorer at the time for Patrick Hornquist, altered the identity of the franchise like that with a single move, with a single bleeping move. That's old school GMing. You would not look at Neal's peripherals. You would not look at his inner statistics and compare those to Hornquist's and say, Oh, yeah, Hornquist's the guy you need. And I do remember vividly the analytics community dumping all over this trade. And all that trade did was set the stage for two championships. So there is a need, I believe, and I believe strongly for some of that old school mentality. The conversations that we've been having here on this show back and forth for a few days now have involved stones. There's been a lot of stones that I've been throwing about stones, meaning the GM needs to have the stones to do this or to do that or to tell Mike Sullivan to do this or to do that. I'm having a hard time aligning the stones concept with the analytics concept. Doesn't mean you can't have someone who's into analytics or who's led by analytics who isn't some sort of authoritative leader. But, you know, it's hockey. And hockey, maybe more than any of the four major professional sports in North America, is just so rooted and ingrained in the past. And you can say what you want about how much you'd like to change that, but you don't change it. With a single move, you still need to have that presence in some form. So what's ideal? What's ideal? Well, you know, I mentioned Iserman and Sackick. And those guys are, they're not so old school. They're part of Hextall's generation in terms of being players, but they didn't behave like Hextall in their post-playing careers. They did embrace analytics. They embraced the thinking that's involved in assigning values based on intensive video study and tracking. And they utilized those tools, legitimately utilized them, didn't just give them lip service uh, the way Rutherford did and didn't completely avoid them and at the very last minute when he realized his job was in trouble, pretend that he was about to have some great expansion of the analytics department the way Hextall did. Eiserman and Sackick had been on that train for a while, even as, at the same time, they've been Eiserman and Sackick. 
those teams have the best of both worlds. The Avs just won a cup. The Red Wings are on the way back up. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens here when we come back, J1Q. comes from Dave and he's referring to yesterday's J1Q which was uh, pretty strongly critical of my continuing support of Mike Sullivan as head coach of this hockey team and Dave says you nicely ignored the part in that J1Q about the team constantly blowing leads. To me that was the biggest reason that the Penguins missed the playoffs. They threw away so many points in the standings. Does Sully have anything to do with that? I watch worse teams with much less experience being able to shut down a game, but Sully's teams can't seem to figure it out. And this goes back several seasons, by the way. And yes, there have been many times where they've recovered to retake a lead or win in overtime, but the blown lead still happened. Dave, I want to start with something that I hope kind of applies to the conversations that we have here in general, you start off with, you nicely ignored the part in the J1Q. Come on, man. Yeah, You know, we can just talk here. We're It's just sports. You know, it doesn't have to be so snarly and everything else here. I didn't deliberately ignore the portion of the J1Q that mentioned blowing leads. We've discussed blown leads on this show time and time and time again. There were other parts of what he said that I wanted to address, including criticisms of Sullivan. In fact, I chose the very question that you're describing, okay? So you don't have to say you nicely ignored. Secondly, You do say here in your entry that this goes back for many years, this problem of blowing leads. It actually doesn't. It was a massive problem this year. You might even be right that from a symptomatic standpoint, it did cost the Penguins a place in the playoffs. In fact, that's inarguable because all they needed to do was to beat the bleeping Blackhawks and Blue Jackets at the end of the season to make the playoffs. And if they had only held on to one or two other leads along the way, those games wouldn't have meant anything. They would have clinched way before that. So, yeah, great. You have your blown leads. But to extrapolate that and say that it's been a problem for a long time, no. I'm not into symptoms. Okay? I'm into causes. Been like that regarding everything in my life. Never mind analyzing sports. The symptom is the blown lead. That's what results, okay? The cause was that they didn't get any kind of NHL-level goaltending for five out of the six months of the season. The cause was that the team had this weirdo lack of energy slash malaise among its bottom six forwards. One that, for whatever reason, wasn't reciprocated among the top six forwards because the top six forwards all had pretty good seasons from the production standpoint and even from the 200-foot standpoint. So I look at this cause, or two of these causes, as goaltending and the bottom six not giving you any energy and not allowing you to have the kind of attack zone time that you need to sustain possession. 
and for that matter, for being terrible defensively. Now, here again, if you want to involve Sullivan, you can do that. Okay, I've done it myself. No one anywhere was more critical of Sullivan's specific usage of Jeff Carter and Brian Dumoulin than I was. No one anywhere asked Sullivan about it point blank the way I did that night at Madison Square Garden. No one anywhere got the kind of heated emotional response that I got from Sullivan on that specific subject. But that's a professional back and forth between a reporter and a coach. That's not something that I take personally. So I can hear him out. I can try to understand his logic. I still don't. But I also can see that the cause of that situation was that this GM was a joke. And I'm not just saying that about Hexall now, conveniently after he was fired. As you'd probably know, either listening to or reading my stuff, I've been doing it all along. I've been doing it all along. That was the cause. Sullivan did a lot of things that didn't help. I don't believe that he reacted the right way to a lot of the things that were foisted upon him. I believe that he could have been, let's say, uh, within the parameters of knowing that these are your bosses, structurally, he could have found a way to push back, to fight back. Maybe he could have exhibited his own awareness, even to people like me and you, that he didn't want to be playing Carter and Dumoulin. I believe that he actually did want to play them. But to look at Sullivan as, you know, the cause of this to me is crazy, crazy. Um, I, I appreciate the J1Q, Dave. Again, I just wish it had come with, you know, a little bit of additional recognition as to what my stance has been and how I approach this job. I appreciate everybody who sends in submissions. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we will do another one of these tomorrow.